What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. to the X Appeal podcast. It's Jen and Julian, and this is episode 20. Okay, so um, before, first of all, today we have quite the guest, so we're not going to yeah. spend too much time doing our little and intro. we shouldn't, because no, they're the real shouldn't. stars. Yeah, yeah, they're the real stars. Yeah. But I, it's so random, I don't know why I feel like sharing this, but what's up with old ladies being mad? What are you talking about? Like, I don't know, I just feel like old ladies are just... Mad, like you either find some really nice old lady that's like, oh, you would be an amazing grandma. You for sure have a bunch of grandkids, or you have the grumpy old lady in your building that just—it seems like just breathing annoys. Did you have a bad experience? Yeah, you know how I have my razor scooter here. It's like yeah. I, have, I have an electrical razor scooter. I, I own I, this, my own. Actually, that's the first time I've ever seen that. Yeah, I just haven't paying attention. Nice. Okay. Uh, so it's my own little razor scooter. It goes 18 miles an hour, and I can go around West Hollywood do all my stuff. Right. So I get it out of my house. I push it to the elevators usually. I get in the elevator and there's this old lady with a cart who's just there. And already it seems like me joining the elevator is like annoying her. So then I, of course, she's wearing a mask. So I'm like, oh, put my mask on before yeah. I get in there. So I okay, mask, very whatever. respectful. And then after that, we hit the ground floor and then I, I signal that she can go. And she, she goes like, no, go. I'm like, okay. So then I leave out. I, I push my little scooter. I hold the door for her. She exits. She's now behind me. And the door to go outside of my building is about seven foot away. Yeah. So I hop on my scooter and I just go straight to the door. And right away, I, I haven't even put a foot. It's like, oh, no, can you please not ride this in the communal area? I'm just like, lady, there's nobody in front of me. You're behind yeah. me. Nobody. It's a se- It's seven foot. It's well, seven foot. Well, she's probably, I mean, she's definitely retired, right? She's probably... Uh, she just doesn't want to put up with anyone's bullshit anymore. I don't want to put up with bullshit. Age. I'm going to ride my fucking scooter. Bullshit and scooters whipping around all over the place. That's it. But okay, you're acting. She's acting like it's she's ripping tired. around. She's tired. I, then stay home. I don't give she's a fuck. Tired. Stay home. Get your own house. Don't live in a building where there's multiple. You know, you talk to me when you're in your 80s and see if you, if you want to put up with young people's. When I'll be in my eighties, I'll be writing that stuff. No, you won't. Okay, so I no. no I guarantee. I just you think you won't. to me, to me, I was just I don't know. I, would, I was I didn't even answer. And I when she said that, I like accelerated to piss her <laughs> even a bit more. I was like, oh yeah, well there you go. I think that there's nothing more harmless <laughs> than seeing somebody riding a scooter. It's almost like watching someone eat ice cream. Like, how can you be mad? Yeah. When you see that, and you it's know electric. What I mean? It's it's like I'm. I'm it's You're good helping for the environment. The environment. Yeah. Sure, she doesn't give a shit about it's just, that. Also, it's not like I get it if I'm like going towards her, but she's already behind me. Mm-hmm. There's nobody in front of me. Well, this is this must be her building. This is her it's whole. Not, she owns not, this building, and this is hers. And it's not her building. She is the guardian of this building. Oh, I know. Oh. I know someone like that in my building. Trust me. Ooh, you do not want to piss her off at all. But then you know what? When I see people like that, my mission 
is I know. Trust I me. Then you want to get now. under your under, the, oh, under yeah. their skin. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah. When I when I first moved in, I don't know why she doesn't have any stake over the condo, like at all. She's not even on the board of anything, and she just comes out and she she you know I had the movers coming in, and she was just watching us like a hawk, just like mm. waiting. Yeah, waiting, waiting for, for one of the movers up. to maybe like scrap the paint to some nick shit. something yeah. to yeah. I don't know where that comes from. I hate but them. I don't like these people. Well, that's why God made Xanax. So Xanax? Yeah. Just, it seems like you got you have some anxiety over this. Who takes Xanax? Just smoke weed. No. no. It's natural. Gross. Oh my God. Um anyways. So uh that was my little <laughs> my little That's your totally unrelated story to what to who to, we're bringing to, on to today. To who we're bringing on today. Mm-hmm. Um small little yeah, we did our little intro and I think it's time we're bringing on we're talking about Well, well, I'll ask you this. Julian, how did you learn about sex? How did you find out what sex was? Ooh, that's a good question. Um I think through just like talking to my friends in high school, uh, most likely. So, okay, I have this very, very, very weird and vivid memory. Okay. And it, now that I think about it as an adult, it, it was weird. Okay. Um, I was, I had a French tutor back when I lived in France just because I wasn't very good at like grammar yeah. in French in my own language. So she would come in and, you know, at my house and then help me with like all my homeworks and everything. And one day, the conversation stirred right away into vaginas. Okay. Don't ask me why. And she ended up taking a piece of white paper and drawing the female uh, genitalia in front of me to show me where everything was. But mind you, I was like probably 12 or something. That's about the, the average age. I, I know. It just feels like it's your French. It's an older French tutor who's teaching that. I just feel like now that I think All about right. it, it's a little bit inappropriate. Um, so I guess that's how I found out about how everything was down there. And then it will mostly be, I want to say, like porn. Oh, wow. That's a, what an introduction. That, I feel that, that that's that's kind of in it. And guys who do it before you, they tell you about it. This is how it went. You know, it, yeah. it lasted about two seconds, but it was amazing. <laughs> it was like the it first thing. It was terrifying thing. and amazing. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. How did you find out? Well, I'll tell you how I learned about sex through this little show on MTV mm-hmm. called Loveline. Uh huh. And I'm not <laughs> talking about the stuff that they teach you in fifth grade. You know what I mean? Like the mechanics of it all, and like here are the parts. This was like real talk. You know, like what does an STD feel like? What <laughs> I cheated on my boyfriend. Now I might be pregnant. What do I do? Um, you know, so it's co-hosted by Dr. Drew Pinsky mm-hmm. and then Adam Carolla. Now Adam Carolla is a comedian. Uh, so he likes to hear himself talk, but the real brains behind the operation, <laughs> I would say was Dr. Drew. And I always looked at him as this voice of reason okay. and comfort. And, you know, no question is too awkward or too embarrassing for the room. No judgment. I like He's that. He's made this very illustrious, successful TV career out of it. Also as a practicing addiction specialist. And he is the co-author of a new book with his daughter, Paulina. So they're joining us right now. Dr. Drew and Paulina Pinsky, thank you for coming on. It's our privilege. Thank you, guys. Hello, hello. So your book is titled It Doesn't Have to Be Awkward. Um, yet somehow it always is, at least with the two of us. Um, speaking, speaking, speaking of awkward, I, I, I'm, I'm uh, organizing a child sexual abuse file here on the the. Uh, the, the French tutor, the French prof. <laughs> yeah, there, there. I don't think there is now, now that we realize that was abuse. The uh, clock ticks on the uh, 
the duration of our, our window to actually file charges. So I'll get on this after the pod. I think there's, in French, we have this thing called prescri prescription. Prescription. It's just like if it's 10 years after the facts, it can't, you can be tried, right? Aux États-Unis, c'est 5 ans après, on réalise qu'on réalise que quelque chose a fait uh, tomber, a, 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 a lui a tombé. Oh, so it's only five years. Yes. Uh, amazing French, by the For way. For our three French <laughs> listeners out there, they understood. <laughs> <laughs> our three friends. <laughs> your friends, exactly. All right, so so yeah, your book is titled "It Does." It doesn't have to be awkward. So I'm I'm wondering what gave you the idea to write this book and then to collaborate. Right. So it, it was it, it, the the my agent actually thought of a, a book on consent, and it was back in the the Me Too sort of era was underway, full swing. And adolescents, young adults were very confused about uh, these issues. It was it was really a challenging time. And no one was really speaking to them. And a publisher came along, thought that'd be a good idea. And as we got more into the conversation, I was thinking, I, I, if we're going to be sort of talking to 15-year-olds, I need a younger person in there with me. Paulina had just graduated from Columbia Graduate School. She's an amazing writer. I was like, like Ken, let's bring her into this. I think this would be a good idea. And you, And she was in the middle of well, but you were in the middle of there. So my senior year of college was when Emma Solkowitz was doing her performance art piece, Carry That Weight, in which she carried her twin XL mattress uh, all over campus in protest of the university not expelling her rapist. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I remember the first time I saw her, she's carrying this mattress. And I was like, what is like, is she moving? What's going on? And slowly but surely, people slowly informed me. Uh, that, you know, she was carrying it in protest. And the next time I saw her, there was like, you know, 15 hands on every mattress, you know, they was like, you know, like she'd hired a whole moving team. Um, <laughs> but she carried it, you know, to and from classes, the dining hall. She even carried it across the graduation stage. Wow. Um, so ultimately, the university gave her no reason to not carry that mattress. And so for me, as a senior in college, it was the first time that I was really thinking about rape culture and perhaps the ways in which I was even complicit in rape culture. Mm -hmm. um, so 2015 was eye-opening. And, you know, prior to that, I had only really talked about consent orientation week in which they were, you know, the whole mantra of consent is sexy. Yes means yes. No means no. But I remember, you know, goofing off the whole time and being like, I get it. It's not a big deal. I know how to say no. Um, but ultimately, you know, I, it wasn't until we really did this project that yeah. I really sat back and thought about all of it in and, a way that and, was and it became a, it became a bigger topic the more we got into it. And we so we eventually ended up sort of taking on relationships of all types and the consent as a way of sort of backing into that conversation. Yeah. And especially I feel like with the Me Too movement, that's changed things a lot. We all know how it's changed things in the, in workplace. the workplace. I yeah. mean, maybe <laughs> maybe men and women might be a bit more cautious in what they say around other people, which, you know, hey, I think that's a good thing. Uh, you know, we're not acting like a bunch of animals and saying whatever we want to say and without any repercussions, but... No, but uh, there is there is a change. Um, you know, I, I work on the side in nightlife and I do not touch or hug any of my female co-workers. Mm -hmm. Did that's you ever it. used to do that before? Of course, but it was always friendly. I've never, mm -hmm. I've never felt like I was doing it in a, it was always like, you, you spend so much time with them. When you say hi, you're like, oh, hi, you look so good, little hug and walk away. But now, um, it's not even about the, the fear of being inappropriate. It's mm -hmm. the fear of getting fired. Yeah. So it's just like, hi, and if they're coming for her, I'm like, oh, oh that's it. Yeah. And, and that, this, I think is a 
huge change. Sure. I mean, even, even at extra, even at, you know, on television, I mean, we have to, we have to be very careful what we say in on TV and outside of TV. Yeah. And what we say to our our male and and female colleagues, but I'm talking about what's going on now behind closed doors, Mm. you know, in the bedrooms. Yes. Um, on college campuses and just with young people in general, how do you think guys that that has changed um, the bedroom dynamic, so to speak uh, in the wake of the me too movement? Well, I, what I've seen is it's not even so much once the door is shut, it's before Um, people are not forming and breaking relationships the way it was, had been done through human history, frankly. And so particularly the young males oftentimes are missing the developmental skill set and, and developmental experiences that is normal to late adolescence, young adulthood. And what I've been seeing for quite some time is young males hitting, you know, early to mid 20s becoming very obsessional, actually stalking uh, people that they're attracted to and not really understanding how to navigate, you know, showing interest, you know, moving on if there's no re- reciprocation or courtship or whatever. They just don't understand it. They've never had to do it. They just uh, figure, oh, I'm your friend. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to wax your car every Sunday. And uh, and then what we get is the guy calling after three years of doing your carpet cleaning and, and car waxing, telling us, uh, well, I've been there for three months. She wasn't into it, but she was my friend. And I, I did it for three years. And now it's time. Now it's time. <laughs> Jesus, what are you talking about? Knows me. Now it's like, yeah. What do you think uh, made that type of behavior happen? If you said it, it was never like that to- towards like human history, and now there's this change. What is the change? What, well, what the happen? the first thing that happened was the whole hookup culture of the like '90s, which is what we were addressing really on Loveline on MTV back in the day, and uh, the the process of assessment and evaluating and learning about people and spending time with people. It, the, 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 the word dating was a bad word in the 90s and early 2000s. And courtship is a word, even in my generation, you would never dream. Oh, my God, how old fashioned. But the reality is people need these assessment processes and experiences and tools in order to learn about themselves and about other people, understand what you want and what a relationship is and how to form and break. That's normal. We stopped doing that. And then it got worse and worse and worse. Then it got really bad during Me Too. And young males were not just... Um, sort of not understanding what the what was you know what the the game was so to speak, but they were afraid. They didn't want like you're saying you, you're you're very you don't want to you don't want to lose your job. You don't want to be accused of anything. You're you're not sure what the rules are, and so they just pull back. I keep thinking of this one student I had. I was teaching um, at a college in New York, and while we were writing this book, I was asking them questions because I had access to the demographic that we were trying to write for. And one of them raised their hand and was like, well, catch a body, move on. By the time it's done, it's already halfway over. And I think that mentality of of sexual encounter preceding any sort of interpersonal encounter is problematic in that it, as you're saying, it just doesn't, you don't, you don't get the practice of learning how to relate to other people. It's really bad. It's really, it's really a problem. And, and what, what the other thing that's changed is that during the whole nineties and that, that, that behavior was pervasive. Now it's a, a narrow population that's doing that and doing it a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I feel like apps have kind of changed the game too. I mean, because now it's almost just like you're you're visually bombarded 
with, you know, and you make decisions so quickly, like, no, that guy has a receding hairline. He's out like that guy's, you know, got like holding a fish. He's out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and vice versa. I'm sure a lot of, a lot of men, you know, pick women accordingly. And I think that we, it, it gives us very little time to get to know the other person on a, mm-hmm. on a level that could be long lasting and, and there could be a real connection. Well, that's, that's the sort of adult version of this, right? Which is that you, relationships become highly disposable. People become disposable relationships are very superficial and cursory, but, but that, that early has a developmental impact. In adulthood, it's just not a good thing, but in, <laughs> in but in, you know, in adolescence, it affects development. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah um, because I, it as much as the, this idea of consent is just growing const, like nonstop, it's um, I also feel like women nowadays are way more free sexually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I always have talks with my dad, and like if I, if I when I was single, if it take me like two dates before her and I would be able to get intimate. My dad would be like, it took me months. Mm-hmm. So, because there's so much, you know, social social norms as a, a woman shouldn't, quote unquote, give it up that easy. So, so well, let, let's let it, let me take you back even further yeah. because m- pre- most of our, um, a, a lot, of, well, the, the fundamental social attitudes have a biological basis almost always, mm-hmm. and so again, through human history. Sexuality, even if you got a urinary tract infection, could mean death. An STD meant death. A pregnancy had a 20% fatality rate and a child at the end of it. There, there were so many profound risks to sexuality and pregnancy through human history mm-hmm. until we developed antibiotics. Yeah. So a urinary tract infection was no big deal. STDs became no big deal till HIV. And pregnancy, we got control of our reproductive health, and all of a sudden, you could you didn't have to attach sexuality to pregnancy. Not again, just the eighteen-year commitment of a child and the twenty percent fatality rate of pregnancy. If you're the parent of a child, you know the power of these drives, and you have a nine, you know, sixteen-year-old in your hand. You're gonna you're gonna say you're gonna do anything. They're gonna say it's bad. It's bad. Devil will get you if you do this. People, parents got desperate to try to shape kids' behaviors to avoid the real serious medical consequences that were present throughout human history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. And with, with the whole, I mean, I don't know, Julian, like when it comes to, cause we were talking about me too and everything, do you feel even, even more awkward now or hesitant to, to pay a woman a compliment because you don't know which way it's going to go? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've never really, because how does that change things? Like from a, from a guy's perspective, like how you approach a woman and, and how you, you know, um, let her know that you're interested. <clears throat> well, I mean, one thing too, is I've always been known to not give a lot of compliments, unfortunately. So that's something that in my relationships, <laughs> I'm working on. Oh, you, you know, I, you know, I think you're not alone. Julian. I, I think men, you correct, correct me if I'm wrong about this. What? Men are suspicious of other men who give too many compliments. Yeah. Yeah, Why? yeah it, we we know that we because we do that we know they're up to something. That's it. We yeah. know they're up to something, and we can see we can see through it. You can't, and, and so and, and, so it yeah. makes us a little bit hesitant to do that. It really it's weird. It, it's I it's, I know that happens. If you're in a committed relationship, I've got that for multiple my partner, my girlfriend. Now I'm making I'm making efforts, but it's always like yeah. Uh, and now when I do give a compliment, it's weird because I never give them. So just like oh something's wrong. What, but again, what, what, <laughs> no, your hair looks good. Oh. 
okay, what's wrong with my makeup? Just, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying. To, I'm trying to give it to you. And, but and then we're not good at it because we don't develop the skill. We really no, should. We really should pay attention as, and develop that skill. And, yeah, as men, we're not trained at yeah. all. To receive no. or give compliment whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. We should be better um, at that. But in in terms of like approaching people, yeah, we're I'm definitely even more cautious of of what to say, and it, it feels like as much as I would like to think I've never had a creepy behavior ever, um, or never made anyone feel uncomfortable. Now I'm overly conscious about it. So yeah. it's it's very like I pick and choose, and and it's like, do I have a relationship of trust with this person? Do they actually know who I am? Yeah, okay, then I can say something. If I'm gonna give a compliment to a random person, I, it's always like, I like, oh, you have nice shoes. Uh, I like your shoes. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a cool jacket. <laughs> That's about it. Mm-hmm. I think they might wonder if they're if, if you're playing for their team because <laughs> if you're complimenting their shoes, yeah, I, guess I don't so, know. But- <laughs> Francais, 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 yeah, yeah. I, I always have the French, the French card to kind of get me out of some type of trouble. <laughs> well, I think what you were saying about trust is instrumental, right? Like the central tenet of our book is TCB, which is trust, compassion, and boundaries. And you know, our idea being that if you trust yourself, have compassion for yourself, and understand your own boundaries, then you'll be able to trust someone else, offer them compassion, and respect their boundaries. And so. I think identifying that there needs to be underlying trust there in order to initiate something is really instrumental because it's like, okay, yeah, there's a certain um, distance when it's a stranger on the street Mm -hmm. and it's like, Oh, you look amazing. Bye. You know, Uh, you know, if you have a relationship with someone, you can, it it means more if you actually have trust there. Yeah. And then, and then there's a fine line when you don't know the person between confidence and creepiness. Yes. Now it's like I'm confident, but I don't want to come out as a weirdo. So it's like and and now if you don't compliment the person the right way or if you kind of hold back in how you actually want to be with this person, now they can they think you're not confident. Mm. Do you see how much overthinking happens? It's it's insane. And there's one thing that I I, and you guys could tell me if, if you agree with that. But I have a feeling that if you're attractive considered attractive there's less chances of you saying something sounding creepy well yeah uh, unfortunately i do agree with that right I, yep. I, yeah yeah so, and that that's that is people are actually noticing that writing about that trying to figure that out certainly the young males are noticing that is it because and, like attractiveness leads like builds trust a bit more trust I, it's not simple i don't well, think attractiveness is subjective yeah. first but it's it's the same reason that you know to some extent that attractive people are the ones having success on dating apps and Instagram. You know that's it's it, it, there's definitely a segregation going on uh, mm. because of all these in- instruments and things. The, the, whatever's going wrong here, that's one of the fallouts. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is it, yeah. there's a there's a there's an there's a group that gets drives a lot of the benefits of these things, and there's a group that's just shit out of luck. Yeah, and and uh, and that's the group that is really struggling right now. I th- I think when a <laughs> okay, I'll just give you an example. If I'm at the gym and a and a guy who I don't think is very attractive will approach me and say something like a come online, you know, I'll just think, well, he's casting a wide net. He just does this with with every other girl and just to see it's like a numbers game, yeah. you know. But but a guy who's attractive might have a lot of options. Yeah. Yet he's choosing me, so inherently it's this competition. <sighs> So uh, you, 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 what you just said, listen, what now, uh, Julian, right? Yeah. Wait, did you see his reaction to that? He nor I had 
never thought a thought like you just <laughs> expressed in our life had, had any understanding that that's what a woman would think in that circumstance. Yeah. I would think the opposite. I'd be like, oh, right. that's right. Me. She's going right. to do this with every single girl. That's right. That's right. It's just like, I'm automatically a douche. But if you're, if, if, if <laughs> no, that's, that's exactly what we would think, right? Yeah. See, you understand how, the, how different these experiences are. Wow. It's, it's, yeah. That, that, is that is kind of eye opening. Uh, <laughs> Paulina, how do you think that, that young people and teenagers have been dealing with that societal shift in the Me Too movement? Are they handling it well? I mean, they have been out of school because of COVID and most of their lives are virtual and that, that impacts the dating life. Like statistics show that in the 90s, Pew Research, or Pew Institute mm -hmm. did, a, uh, did a study and found like 40% of teens in the 90s were in relationships and in 2017, only 17% yeah, were. Yeah, like 15%. And bad, so bad, bad, bad. it's, it's, it's interesting I'm I'm also like thinking about um just like uh the 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 comment before of the guy coming to the gym and the creepy guy and the hot guy. Yeah. yeah. And I will say that the creepy guy, I'm just going to say the creepy guy cuz he's not a real person right How now. Dare you. But the creepy guy I often find are usually like the misogynists because they're only going for the, you know, the primo girl, the top 10 girl. And then they'll be the ones that are like, no fat girls, no black girls, no anything but white, you know, like, I feel like generally there's, there's like an underlying misogyny that is missing from this conversation in that like a lot of dudes have very specific narrow standards. And if, if, someone doesn't fit that you know description then you know they're not even human mm -hmm. in my experience at least mm -hmm. but what was the original question i just went on my own diatribe well the, how, i yeah how do you think that young younger people and have been handling the whole me too movement like are they are we and the are notion they doing of well consent, the notion consent, of consent yeah. yeah how do you think they're handling it I think they're just as confused as the rest of us. I think, you know, I think that's what's so powerful about this book is that we really offer a tangible framework for healthy relating and consent. Um, and so I think that we're kind of missing sort of the tangible um, instruction of how to relate to each other healthily. And, and Julian, let's us try to uh, represent the so-called creepy guys, whatever we're really talking about there. I don't know what that is. But in 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 that group, what do you, Jinx, Julian? What do you think that those men are actually experiencing when they come to up to somebody? What's going on in their head? What are the the creepy guys? Yeah, what are they thinking? Now, let's say they're not even creepy, like the average guys, average low average guys, that are are they actually stuff. creepy or this is how they're perceived? They're perceived. Oh, I think I, I think they're not. I'm I'm sure they're just trying to. Trying. What, what emotion do you think they're primarily experiencing? Oh, they're scared. Fear and one other. Mm, I want to say they're they're experiencing fear and well, fear, yeah, and uh, yeah. shame, pain. They're oh, in pain. pain. Those dudes are in pain. They're alone. They're desperate. They're trying to make a connection. They're not giving roadmaps. They don't. They they're they're, they're, tr they're confused. I think three would be confused. Yeah. And then to think that they're being judged and called misogynistic for that is just horrible. Because they well, are in pain. They are I in don't pain. Know. I, I've been on I, Tinder and have been. Well, not Tinder is like, please, that's not the gym. That's not. You know. but, yeah. I, yeah so. But also, who wants to be hit on at the gym? Oh, I don't know. Thank you. Thank you. 
Like that is the worst place. I, I'm just saying, let's have some compassion. It was amazing. I'm not gonna say. Uh, <laughs> loved it. Some compassion for the male part of this too, because shitting on men, I think, is a is a very dangerous place to go. These guys are in pain, and I hear from them all the time, and they are confused, fearful, trying, not understanding, not wanting to be perceived as doing the wrong thing. And, and don't have the skill set to do it in a way where yeah. they don't cr- feel creepy because they didn't get it in high school and early in adulthood. And it's it's that's going to be a group that's going to be angry and troublesome if, if yeah. we don't like this, you know. How, how do you get the skill set? So then what what's the traditional way? It's just to hang out with people. Just start spending time with people, with uh, people you're interested in, people of all different kinds. and It's important to have lots of different broad experiences with people. And to just assess people and would you like people? Do they like you? What are you interested in? It just that 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 process is so healthy. It's so healthy. Forget just on the on the on the, the sort of interpersonal you know, the, the the courtship side. It's just healthy for our emotional landscapes to be seen through the prism of many different perspectives, all different kinds of people. Mm. And we should be really encouraging people to do that. I'm not sure we are. Do you think? I mean, no, yeah. I don't think we do it enough. I mean, yeah. I think uh, there's a lot of in-group things, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a also a function of like how social media works. It's mm. like it kind of shows you your own bubble. But I think that because all of our sort of uh, networking s- strata are uh, putting us in these bubbles, we have to work extra hard to relate to people who we wouldn't otherwise relate to. But, yeah. I feel like younger people, like especially p- people who grew up on Instagram and yeah. Facebook and that, they don't know how to talk to other people. That's exactly what we're telling you. That's yeah. exactly what we're telling yeah. you. But and that's, that like, is a major, major problem. It is. But so it then, is. But if now they also, if they do want to talk to people, they're scared because of this whole... The, because they, they, and they, they're perceived, right, they're, they don't want to be perceived as being creepy or inappropriate, <laughs> and they don't have the skill set to not appear that way. Yeah, it's so a catch-22. It's, like, it's like, how do we do this? You need practice, but you can't practice. Basically. Well, you can, you can. I mean, just be very slow and careful, and don't, starting in small ways. Yeah, don't stalk. Pauline has lots of good little vignettes. In yeah, the book we have. We actually have recommendations. We for have them. prompts in yeah. here yeah. Oh, okay. for how to start yeah. conversations. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Because here's my thing, right? Like, if I, if I'm out with a group of girls and I see a guy approach, and if it's just one guy walking up to a group of girls, do you know how much? confidence that takes oh yeah for a man to be able to do that i just i always will engage in the conversation because i'm like listen it took you a lot to get here mm-hmm. <laughs> it took you a lot of small well, but but i think what we're what you're saying there what i've been advocating paulina's talking about in the in these opening vignettes in these opening uh, uh suggestions for dialogue is is to be compassionate with each other yeah. we, we keep talking about compassion be, be be empathic to each other and pay you know don't assume the worst so, so assume that everyone has their own deep struggles in, in this in this uh, landscape we call social life. But I will say that, you know, sometimes a no is compassionate, right? Oh, like, 100%. I think that there's a misunderstanding oh, yes. that saying no to somebody is mean. No, that is no, that's not mean. Um, it's clear. Uh, before it's we clear. start, I want to I quote Bill Burr. Okay, okay, Bill Burr has a little bit where he says, okay, we're in this world, in this recent one. He says, no is no. No means no. He's like, no, no doesn't necessarily mean no because no means no. But no, I got stopped. What are you doing <laughs> now? That doesn't mean <laughs> no. You know, he says it in, in a joking way. But it is true. And I was sharing that in our last, in our last uh, episode that yeah. we recorded yeah. where I was dating a girl and for some reason, 
her saying no was getting her going sexually. Mm-hmm. So I would make a move and she was like, no, stop. So I would stop, put my hands in my pocket, be like, I'm not doing this, then uh, no. And then come back on top and then go like, start the whole thing. And then, oh no, my God, stop. And I'm just like, I'm getting mixed signals here, right? I, I think stopping and asking for clarification is, 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 is the, the world. Best thing <laughs> That's where we are. That's where we're at. It just weirded yeah. me out. It just weirded yeah. me out. It, 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 it should weird you out. You should be concerned about it. And she needs to learn, too, how to navigate properly in, in a way that, you know, she is engaged in the way she wants to be engaged. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but to, I mean, also, if she's like, okay, when I say no, Ahead of time, three times. Yeah, right. Here's the code. Yeah, right. like, I'll give you the code ahead. ahead of time. But I, 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 sat, I, I told her once. I was like, I was like, we're right now. We are in a, a, a world where I will never act if I hear the word no. Even yeah, if, yeah that's fine. That's a that's, good. That's a reason. That's how everyone should act. Yeah, that's Absolutely. a good rule. Yeah, like, you cannot play this with me right now. This is really not yeah the thing, and I'm not going to take that that risk. Yeah, it's a different reality that we're living in right now, and I think. Sexually, it, it it puts forth a, a, a bunch of new challenges that I, that never existed before. So, so then what are you I'm supposed to do? I'm glad we're talking about it. You but know, I, are you supposed to have people sign a, a paper? You know, I have lawyer friends that believe you do. It's very, particularly if you have a public life. Okay, yeah. well, and celebrities that's will have that. I know some celebrities will have I, a, I, I know. A lot of celebrities do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of celebrities have that, and, and and South Park got onto that like four years ago, and we all laughed at it. And it's it just if you want to see the future, just watch South Park. Yeah, oh my no, God. God. <laughs> they nail it every time. <laughs> Absolutely true, Paulina. What do you what do you think? I mean, so it, yeah. I'm actually flipping through the book because so one of our early chapters is about consent explicitly, and we talk about green light, yellow light, red light. Yeah. And ultimately, what it comes down to is what are they saying? What is their body language saying? And how are you feeling? Um, so like a green light, you're both easily making eye contact. You're both smiling, laughing, or expressing positive emotion. And you feel comfortable when they touch you in both big and small ways. And then we get to yellow. You're platonically spending time together. Uh, you can say what you feel, but you don't know if the other person has feelings for you. And you can ask for what you want. And you can listen when your partner asks for what they want. Mm-hmm. And then we get to a red light, which is you feel anxious or embarrassed or something just doesn't feel right. Your partner is looking away, is suddenly silent or seems distant. Anyone at any time says that they want to stop. So it it, it is sort of a a... It's a reading of signals, right? And, you know, for all, a lot of people, sometimes, you know, whether that's, you know, disability or... or And, and you can talk about it ahead of time, too, you know? It's just you're, yeah. you're clear. Yeah, like yeah. there's a lot of ways to communicate consent. Um, ideally, the most concrete, tangible way is verbally. Um, but, you know, we are cognizant of people who, who believe that verbalizing consent is like sucking the air out of the room. Yeah. Um, but I'm someone of like, I, I would rather practice like good, clean consent. Like let's have a verbal yeah. confirmation. Let's check in with each other throughout the interaction. Yeah. Um, but ultimately the, the thing that I really keep saying time and time again is consent can be rescinded at any point during an encounter. Yes. And I think that's something yeah. that needs to be reiterated over and over again. Yeah. And um, that's where the no means no. That's yeah. when you say, I don't feel comfortable doing this. The other person has got to listen and no, yes, no. it's a problem. How, how does there's two, I have two follow-up questions for that. How does that work? If you have consent at the beginning and then in the middle, there's no longer consent. So you stop, but now mm-hmm. how do you deal with that? 
because it, there's a huge shift, right? So now we went from sure we were like both into that, too. and now she's not, he or she is not. So now he or she feels like they forced themselves on someone. Well, mm. so, okay. Oh, so uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. So he's saying not just how do you deal with the fact that we've gone from being intimate to all of a sudden apart. He's saying, should I feel guilty that I yeah. go too far already and forced to know? And that, that we, I, I got to say, that's a, don't ask too much of yourself. You know what I mean? You, you, it, it's okay to go along when the light's green yeah. and just be cognizant and, and vigilant. If it goes yellow or red that you just, you take, you, you act accordingly. And I think you can ask, right. You can say, I'm so sorry. Did I make you feel like you had to do that? Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I, I want you to be, into this yeah you know? take responsibility immediately like, sorry this is not yeah, my intent right. be sure let's be clear about this yeah like, like when in doubt i like to say yeah. when in doubt shout it out yeah. you know uh words are the best way to communicate that and and you know it's, it's a vulnerable thing to yeah. be like listen did i do something right like that's the hardest thing to admit um but essentially i think taking responsibility for your actions is is sort of the first facet of being in uh, you know, interrelationate, like just doing anything with anybody. Right. Um, is yeah. vulnerable too. Yeah. You know, you're putting yourself in that kind of situation. So I feel like at that point, it's okay to feel comfortable enough to to have a conversation about it at at any point. But that's the thing. It's like communication and talking basically is mm -hmm. really the key to all this, which is mm -hmm. what most people yeah. are not doing. Yeah. Well, but 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 it's you know, I uh, over the years, you know, I've heard lots of we just need to communicate. You need a frame for the communication. That's why we were invented our little thing that we thought was so accessible for 15-year-olds, which is the TCB idea, which is, you know, have trust each other, trust yourself, be very compassionate, listen carefully to the other person, and then have boundaries. You know, what, make sure you're not being sucked into something or overcome by something emotionally, whatever it is. That, that's communication. Communication is not just words. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Words are part of it. I mean, there's, also, again, like I can think of so many times where, I'm, you know, I've been on a first date and I don't make the move. And then later on, I was like, oh, you didn't make a move, you know, that on the first date. Why that didn't you make the move? And I'm you, just like, because yeah. uh, uh, it feels weird for me to be here on the couch. I'm like, mm -hmm. is it OK if I make a move? It just, it, it, just, it, it, just scream at her. Aziz, I'm sorry. Yeah. Aziz, I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> also, there's also sometimes like we keep as guys, we keep hearing like, oh, you know, he 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 took initiative. We love taking initiative. So, because let's not forget those those societal norms still exist. Like you know, he and I dated, and I used to feel a little slighted because you never make the first move. I'm scared ever, and so I'm like, what is? Am I turning him off? Like, what is the deal? But that's the thing. It's we, like I, I, Julie, we can't win. Fight. We, we can't, yeah, no, we we can't, can't win. Yeah, is there a wrong kind? Of I'm just thinking of the like the fact of maybe you're not ready to make a move yet, right? Like I don't know, maybe. You know, it takes a little bit. I mean, I know there's the fear behind it, but I, I think it's interesting that if it were the other way around, we wouldn't be having this conversation as much, you know, I if, think. If, say it again to me. If, if the female partner was more hesitant, it wouldn't be, I mean, I guess it's, you know, based on a fear-based thing. But so, so why aren't women initiating more? Societal norms. Societal oh, norms. So yeah. why, that's why you, because society, that's why you insisted Julian be the first one? I think so. I think because I've, I was always raised like you, the, the man will chase you. He will, if he's interested in you, he will pursue you. Um, and that's, I mean, that's me being from Ohio, like just traditional values. And I think that can be said for a lot of other people in the country too. 
Uh, but I, I can works. tell you, I can tell you whether it's societal or not. Yeah. Um, women have often, almost very often, have a lot of discomfort with initiation. And part of it may be social. Part of it may be lack of uh, uh, experience. They, have, they haven't done. They haven't been encouraged to do it. But there seems to be something even more going on because it's so uncomfortable for so many women. They're just like, I just, I'm not into that. Can't yeah. do that. Not my thing. Those kinds of st- things I've heard a lot over the years. Um, some guys I went, yeah. love it. I mean, I I know most I men it. do. Most men do. Most men actually like it, and and women are always surprised to hear that. And because now also we're, we're in this, like, okay, so I have to initiate, I have to make the first move. I have to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, go after this girl that I like, but I, now I also have to be careful how I do it exactly. because I don't yeah. want to look at crazy. Yeah. And if I do a little bit yeah. too much now, it's, yeah. it's, it's not. And, so, and as men, we're generally lazy. So <laughs> just generally yeah. true. And so, so if you want to take over, fine, go. <laughs> um, uh, Pauline, I have a, I have an actual follow-up question on what you were saying too. How do we, deal with the notion of consent consent i keep saying consent that's like oh, french, french okay. consent um when there's alcohol involved mm. so in the book we take the stance of if you're intoxicated you cannot consent and that's the law in most states that is the law right yeah. so even yeah. if most people are intoxicated absolutely end up hooking up and there is no such thing as forceful sex the next day this could be considered as you have to be you have to be of a state to be able to render consent which means a certain age and a certain condition of your brain that being said i really wanted to to make uh make it clear that you know not everyone is going to practice that kind of clean consent and right. that alcohol may come into the picture. Right. And so in the book, we have sort of steps for how to, you know, stay in control when you're using um, substances. And it's more like a harm reduction um, standpoint. Um, we say, you know, know who's on your team, make sure you're with people that you trust, mm-hmm. uh, tune into reality. Don't just, you know, get drunk and, you know, be like, I'm in an alley and this is fine. <laughs> right. Um, and ultimately don't be afraid to get help. Um, if something goes wrong, you also advocated a wingman kind of thing. Yeah. Too. Well, yeah. we say set your intention before yeah. you go out and stay in touch with your own body. Check in with yourself at least every 30 minutes. That's part of know who's on your team. Mm. Um, especially, you know, for kids who are experimenting for the first time, you know, giving them, you know, guidelines so that they're just not going into this blindly and someone's blue on the floor Oof. of alcohol poisoning, Yeesh. you know? Um, how do you, how do you balance that? Right. With the, you go out, you meet someone, you've both had some, some time to drink. It seems like you guys are fine. Yes. You're, you're obviously drunk, but you're not like. Yeah, I, th- I think an easy, an easy sort of um, self test is could I drive a vehicle? Okay. So then, yeah, that, that's a, Okay, so it's really well, in France. It's a different thing, and then California. Trust me, <laughs> <laughs> in California, it's a glass and a half of wine. Yeah. So I, because we and so during my time in nightlife, we heard about uh, this one guy who was a promoter who you know hooked up with a girl. They were both sober, and then oh sorry, they were both drunk. And then the next morning, his version was she just regretted doing it, so she ended up saying that you know this was rape, and then. Her version was like, yeah, uh, I, I wasn't really into it. I didn't really know what was happening and blah, blah. So now 
Where do you go from there? Where, where do you go from there? Like at this point, it's like do we install cameras in in our well, bedroom be, to make but sure. You can't do that. But then you're not, you're not allowed because you're you're not allowed to film someone. But like, right. uh, how, how how do you protect yourself as both either when a man one on one or woman because no you have to protect yourself? Yeah. You really be careful when you're using substances. That, that we point that out over and over again. It's it's just it just is the reality. Because yeah. exactly what you're describing can happen very easily. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're you're on drugs. You're on alcohol. You don't. Your judgment isn't normal. Your perceptions aren't normal. It, it's just you know. I mean, maybe maybe you don't agree that okay. Uh, you know, driving a vehicle that's too stringent a standard. Well, how about twice driving a vehicle? Whatever it is, you got. It's not three times driving a vehicle yeah. because yeah. now you're in trouble. Uh, but you need to kind of set some rules for yourself. Yeah, I think, you know, going into something with an intention, like if you started the night and you're just like, tonight's just about the girls, like I'm not going to meet anybody. And if you meet somebody like sticking to that intention, right? And being like, no, I had an intention for tonight. Like, that's what it is. Unless your intention is like, I'm going to go out and get laid. Um, But what I keep thinking about is like the the idea of knowing who's on your team, right? Like having people around you where you, who you can check in with and be like, am I too drunk to consent? Like what is happening? Am I like, am I normal kind of? Yeah. Um, and yeah. tuning into the physical reality of what your body is going through. Um, I think, you know, driving a car is a good test, but I also think like, are you slurring your words? Are you laughing at things that you don't think but, are but funny? You're, you're seeing though how arbitrary these things are and how easy it is to get in real trouble. Yeah, and it's it hard is. for us to it's check hard. in with ourselves when, like, yep. when you're intoxicated, you lose, jo- you get anisognosia immediately. You lose, it's called denial. It's another f- version that you don't perceive your level of intoxication because you're intoxicated. Right. So you can't see outside of what's going on in that. And, and other people aren't trained. I mean, it's hard for me as a trained professional to know. I couldn't, there's no magic test I could do that would know immediately this person's okay to give consent. It yeah. would really be hard. It's, it, so I just say to keep it simple. Keep it simple, everybody. Just stay Keep, sober. Yeah, don't <laughs> stay sober, but a couple glasses of wine, you're good. Uh, th- th- three tequilas, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> and make sure, I mean, make sure you have like a yeah, like a wing person, like a friend, somebody who you, you can count on, who's with you. Because when you really in, think, the, in those yeah. moments, or well, even if because we talked to. Um, who Dr. was it? Peterson? Dr. Peterson. Yeah. I think she was talking about, about this yeah. about the bartender and having. Uh, oh no, that was uh, yeah, that was our um, uh, matchmaker. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, because she she had mentioned something about if you if you really want to go out and, and you're looking for love and that's your purpose for the evening, sometimes it'd be okay for a woman to go out by herself. Mm. I, I kind of disagreed with that. Oh, I disagree with that. I, I don't think that's very smart. I think it's you know you're you're sitting in a bar by yourself. You're just you're asking for men to come up to you and and try to take you home. And and she mentioned you know making friends with the bartender and almost having him be your 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 guardian. Your person. Yeah. yeah, your guardian. Can always rely on that though. That was you know? tri- yeah. that was strictly like to like in terms of matchmaking, how to get a man to come and talk to you and all that stuff. That was wow. Tri- all right. Well, get, getting a man, may, maybe having somebody there not immediately next to you or whatever. I, I don't know. This is all dangerous stuff, guys. Yeah, it is. It is it's dangerous. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, but I, I kind of want to sh- uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about what, what what the pandemic and how that's you know impacted because we've mm. been locked up for like the last what seventeen months now. Mm. Uh, things are finally starting to get back to normal, you know, where the bars are open and we're, we're all hanging out again and going to concerts and, you know, things like that. So, but I, I kind of still feel a sense of PTSD a little bit, anxiety being mm-hmm. out in public and being around crowds. I, I, mm-hmm. can't- I do too. Yeah, yeah. definitely. 
you know, you still have that feeling like, well, where have you been? And, and (laughs) do you have your shots? You know what I mean? Yeah. So how has that worked itself out? Do you have your shots? (laughs) (laughs) Do you have your distemper shots? Where's your rabies collar? (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I'm not quite sure what you're asking. It's an anxiety we all feel, even just the anxiety about where's my mask and you know, do yeah. I have my passport with me? And it, it's an it's and and what we've all just been through. I mean, this is of course we have some PTSD, and, and at the same time, this desire to be together is really intense right. and healthy. Um, I, 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 Julia, I wonder, have you been back to France lately? I, I was just yeah, I hadn't been back in like two years, and then I went back in August finally. Okay, so I was there a couple weeks ago too, and it was very, very different than here. I don't know if you you could perceive it the way I did. Did you Did you see that? Um, I mean, everybody was out. Everybody was out and into it. It was on. They were they were going to be and outdoors too. Then wanted to be together, and man, they were together. Yes. Except the Jean, the the the, nope. the young people, eighteen to twenty eight, were, were in the streets demonstrating every Saturday night. Did you oh, see any of those demonstrations? Were they uh, like demonstrating about what? Like anti-vax, oh, anti-mandates, yeah. anti-mandates. The young yeah. people were "Vive la Liberté!" I, they okay. would be screaming all of it constantly. But that's the thing, right? Like people are out in France because they imposed the barcode, so you can't sit at any well, venue. But they didn't really, because it's actually less stringent than here in Los Angeles. Because in in France, you had the EU barcode, yeah, or your test resort. Yes. Or your natural immunity. And and it was it was way more compassionate than here. They go, we're sorry, you got to show this or go get a test. It's right there. The tests were everywhere. Yeah. I yeah. thought it was way, way better than here. Yeah, way better. Because of that, you, you have a proof that everybody who's outside is negative or has their shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it makes it easier for everyone to just um, to, to, to kind of be all together because you have basically the way it works is they give you a barcode that if you have a shot, if you have your vaccine, mm-hmm. they, yeah. they give, they issue you a barcode. And then when you sit at a restaurant, indoors, outdoors, whatever, you know, that's you guys, are you guys, where are you guys? LA? LA. Yeah. yeah isn't that that's the, that's the mandate here now. Not, 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 and not only is it going to be in bars, restaurants, department stores, or rest, any, any indoors, you're going to have yeah. to show your code. Show your code. Yeah. People are going to yeah. lose their minds. I know. I know. I know. It's funny because, you know, the anti-vax that, that are uh, manifesting outside and on Sundays, to me, it's always been of, as a French person, I look at what happens in France. And I'm just like, people kind of fall in line. In France, for some reason, and it goes so against, especially when we think about Bastille and how the whole. Well, that's it. Listen, I, I, my French is better than I just showed you because I was really preparing to go over there, and I got got my French up pretty good. So I talked to a lot of young people, and uh, th- they were hearing echoes of 1790 for sure, mm. uh, and, and they were like, "Overreach of government must stop. This is it. It's over." Yeah. Not that they didn't want the vaccine, even they were like, "Well, I might take the vaccine, but I don't like the government telling me to put something in my body." Yeah. Viva liberté, you know, liberté, fraternité. You know, you know the sayings. I don't yeah, tell you. Liberté, fraternité. Yeah. But, uh, the I always feel like in the U.S., it's always a bit more. It's kind of like, nah, we're not going to do it. Well, well it's it's weird, but it's not the young people though. The young people here are the opposite. It's the it's the yeah. it's like forty five and above that are doing. It's very strange it's, how, it's how different it's here. happening. But even if I look at the lockdown, everybody was locked down in France. My family, everybody was like, "We're staying home. We're staying home." When California, we're on the lockdown. People are outside. It's mm. like I don't care. I go outside. 
Yeah, it's interesting to mm. think about the vaccine in relation to the concept of consent, mm. um, because obviously either you consent or don't consent to the vaccine. Mm. But I think that the fundamental thing that's missing with the anti-vaxxers is thinking about the consent of other people, right? Like right. by entering a space unvaccinated, you're putting other people at risk, um, which, you know, but your choice. They, they tell you you're not at risk because you're vaccinated. If the vaccine works, then you're not at risk. So then. But well, it's getting a little more complicated. So let's just let's just say what the what we know now, which is that if you're unvaccinated, obviously you're more at risk for everything. You're also more at risk of transmitting illness. Mm -hmm. Now, if you are around somebody who's been vaccinated, you can transmit to a vaccinated person. It's harder, and they're not going to get as bad an illness. That's sort of the the current situation. Yeah. Unvaccinated people can also transmit, but they're much less likely to transmit. Yeah. The the um the this immunologist I follow talks about that about that argument or like if you're vaccinated then you should. Who do you follow? Uh, what's her name? Let me see. She she's um she's on um TikTok. Yeah, she's uh, laughter and light. No, it's uh science science time with Tracy. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Um, there's some excellent. There's some there's some really good immunologists on TikTok. Yeah, really good. Doctor underscore knock N O C laughter and light. It's this one. They're all very very good. They really do a good job. Where uh, there's some like I don't want to shit on chiropractors, but like this this one that I think about is like this chiropractor talking about how this virus is, and she just sits there and like that's true. No, that's not true. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. No, nope, that's not. It. And she basically talks about the um the the fact that the people the less the less people are vaccinated, the more virus load. Yes, that's the problem. That that's this is what if anybody is hesitant out there. Here, here's my position. I, obviously, I'm I'm for the vaccine. She's vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. And I've had the illness and I've been vaccinated. And I, and I, and I like that. It's good. I'm really I'm extra super immune, but, 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 but let's be super clear. If you're hesitant for yourself, there's a second order process in this decision-making is we have an obligation to one another, not just to protect each other against infection, but to decrease the replication of this virus. Mm -hmm. The more it replicates, the more the probability exists that a really nasty variant will develop, mutate, yeah. mutate and that will that could be disastrous. I just I, that's the only thing I worry about now is that because we have antivirals coming. We're going to be a lot better off in about a month. Too. Well, too, there's people who can't take the vaccine because mm -hmm. they are immunocompromised right. or they are transplant candidates and, you know, or they recipients, not candidates. Yeah. And, you know, you got to think about them, too. Right. You, you, like, you do. But even as a vaccinated person, you got to think about them. You, yeah. you can still transmit to them. Yeah. Do you feel like there is the same same issue when like the polio vaccine came out? You know, is it because of the, the whole social media? And now you see one person who's for some reason we right says, oh, uh, they started uh, shivering after the vaccine and that half spasms everywhere. And this blows up in the 10 million views now. That's I, I think there there's that is there this is different. Something has, has changed yeah, us. Changed. I agree with that. Yeah, both in terms of the the social media aspect, but also the tribalism. It, it, since yeah. you know 2015 or so, these camps and and then the idea. The other thing that's happened to the vaccine hesitant is, you know, during HIV there was a the, I, I really 
was trained during the HIV epidemic. I took care of hundreds, maybe thousands of AIDS patients. And it was a horrific time. And it really shaped my sensibilities as a physician. But we learned how to shape people's behavior, how to get them to wear condoms, how to get them not to have sex, all these things, to not share needles. We, we, we learned how to do that. And it was the exact opposite of what we're doing now with the vaccine hesitance, where we're shaming them and blaming them and trying to scare them. That makes things worse. It makes always makes yeah. things worse. We know it makes things worse as opposed to going, okay, hold on. All right. I hear you. I hear you. You're scared. You have a point of view. I value your point of view. I understand. Just yes, yes, yes. Hey, but you, have you ever thought about, and let's, let's look at some consequences of the choices you're making. You, you show them cases of the consequence that that's how you shape behavior and use humor and music and all the things we know how to use. Because now people aren't going to get the vaccine because someone's telling them to get the vaccine. It's exactly right. It's it 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 galvanizes, hardens it. It hardens the position, which is just it's a mess. It's a mess. But, was but it the same before social media, or what people like you know, it was it was similar. I mean, we went through we went through a lot of this stuff during HIV, a, a, a lot of it, but it was on a much smaller scale, and it was it, it was more fluid. It, it wasn't as fixed. And the government wasn't as involved in it. No. It was really the medical right, profession. They are doing. systematically denying it. So, but during HIV, we weren't had to inject ourselves anything. It was about protecting yourself of like condoms and stuff. Like I'm talking like about. Yeah, yeah, but we were also we were having trouble convincing people to take the antiviral medicine. I mean, a lot of people died because they wouldn't they wouldn't take it. And there was these horrible rumors going around that the antivirals were causing AIDS or that the Gallo Institute had created AIDS. You wouldn't believe the conspiracy theories that were flying around. And they were, they were, I don't know. They, and they didn't have a valence. They weren't right or left. Really. They were just sort of horrible and really destructive to so many people. So it's always been the case. It's just now these people, anti-vaxxers, now you now, yeah. now have a voice because <laughs> yeah. of social media, which can actually convince more and more people not to take it. And, and with Sue Pauline, we're talking before we got on here, you know, I was saying that, that the people that have a point of view need to go into the media where there's a different point of view, not avoid it, go into it because they, you need to change it. You need to move it. Not these echo chambers. That's the opposite of how you change people. Yeah. They go, you can't talk to those people. They are, they're, they're vaccine deniers. No, those exactly the people you should talk right. to. So you got to talk to them. Yeah. They want to gravitate toward, toward people who agree with them. Yeah, yep. of course. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's human nature. And, and, and now you find groups that agree with you on social media, making you even more sure, like yep. that, that that you're right and they're wrong. You know. So anyway, just go back to, uh, <laughs> to <laughs> consent. <laughs> well, this is fun. We got different ideas and topics yeah, flying around. For yeah. sure, for sure. Um, I also kind of want to talk about the idea of, of gender identity, yeah. specifically oh, yeah. gender and sexual identity. So, so I'm going to interrupt you because yeah. I want Polina to talk about why this was important to her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really wanted this to be a LGBTQT friendly resource. It was very important to me, especially, I mean, it's specifically what he was talking about, um, you know, having access to a different audience that maybe doesn't have this information. And, you know, we've been doing a bunch of interviews and I've been, you know, talking about feminism and she got, she got Megan Kelly to kind of listen to oh. the, the to about the patriarchy. I was really impressed. I was no. like, wow, Megan's but thinking still. about this. Good for you. No, yeah. I don't think anybody else had the balls to go up and tell yeah. her that. So, yeah. yeah. She told me I was the first woke person she's had on her show. Yeah. I was, I was like, like, good. Wow. It's too good. More. Oh God. More. Let's keep, let's keep it going. Everybody. Woke is very 2016. Um, <laughs> so what yeah. Do we call it now? What do we call it now? Help me. Speaking of fearful. Leftist. Uh, oh, no. no. It's too harsh. <laughs> I know. 
I don't know. I don't think mm. that there's like another iteration okay. of it. I think like woke will do. Only only people who are not woke use the word woke. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So Which it's is, pejorative now. It is sort of pejorative. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm not woke. No, just kidding. Uh, I'm woke enough. Um, so yeah, so the first six mm. chapters really focus on identity. And so, you know, we really felt that it was important to dive into gender and sexuality. Um, you know, biological sex doesn't necessarily determine your gender and your gender doesn't necessarily determine your sexuality, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're born, you have, you know, an XX, XY chromosome normally, and your gender is decided in that moment, right? Boy or girl. And ultimately, gender is something that you become increasingly aware of. So it's something that can be kind of evolving as you grow. Um, and so we wanted to give, or me specifically wanted to give sort of a rudimentary introduction to sort of the gender spectrum. And so we have a bunch of definitions in here. We have a gender of, a, uh, the gender of adjectives quiz where we have kids um, list the adjectives that they would describe themselves as and then decide, you know, are these gendered adjectives? Are they neutral adjectives? Um, you know, what what is sort of determining your gender? Is it your idea of what these certain adjectives are or is it based on what your experience is? Um, and so we have, you know, a pronouns and identity table in here. Um, and yeah, I, I I think ultimately the big thing is, you know, sex doesn't determine gender and gender doesn't determine sexuality. And, you know, we can look at each of these things independently and sometimes there is a correlation and sometimes not. So, so that's my feel. When do you have that conversation with your kids? About? About about what she just said. I mean, gender. About gender? Yeah. I think in, any of these things, none of these things are a conversation or the conversation. They're all ongoing conversations. And and you have your job as parents to keep it on the level of the child. So it's it's really, do you have any questions? You ever thought about these things? I wonder what you're thinking. Have I answered your questions? Do you have any more questions? I hope you'll come to me with more questions. Those are more important than even the content of what you said. Open. Yeah, and I think yeah. too, like children are going to be expressing their gender, whether or not they're cognizant of it, right? Like whether that's, you know, a little girl and her toy Barbie or a little boy and a princess crown, like he, mm -hmm. he or she, or they are going to determine what they're attracted to, whether or not you talk to them about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. So we, we often hear people getting maybe mad if they, if like, uh, okay. You I'm, get the pronouns wrong. Yeah. Yes. So it's, there you go. It's, 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 How do you get the pronouns right? We get yeah. into that. Yeah. So, so yeah. How, you know, because as a so, if you are a person and you've never met this person, and she looks like what is a biological woman, and then you say, yeah. "Hi, ma'am," and then they get mad at you because I'm not a man. How could you assume that? So, 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 hang on. I'm going to also say that yeah, I had th this conversation when I was in France, and the French really are confused about this because oh, yeah. you have everything is gendered in France, right? Everything already, already has a and, language and, itself. And, yeah. and everything is gender, and, yeah. and they. And I, mean, I was told yeah. that sorry, we're we're not going with you on this one. We're just not doing. It. We can't get it. We're not doing it. So mm -hmm. I'm imagining for you, it's extra challenging. It is. It 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 is. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. is. So in the sense of I respect it, I don't understand it. I, I get it. I, I, a for tr effort. A for trying. <laughs> so let's see if Paulina can so help. So ultimately, <laughs> what I would say, um, making a practice of just asking for people's pronouns when you meet them, like. Hi, what's your name? What's your pronouns? You know, or even when you introduce yourself, like I say, like I'm Paulina, I use she, they pronouns, like 
what is your name and what pronouns do you use? Um, and so kind of integrating asking for pronouns up top or introducing yourself with pronouns is a way to kind of equalize the field and gives an opportunity for someone who has, you know, pronouns that aren't necessarily, um, you know, what you assume them to be an opportunity to tell you their pronouns. Um, and then two, I think if you make a mistake with a pronoun, if you, they use they, them pronouns and you accidentally say she, you can be like, I'm sorry, they, and then keep going. Just apologize, <laughs> correct yourself and move on. Um, and then alternatively, if you struggle, I know people struggle with they, them pronouns because grammatically it's a little bit difficult to think of a singular person with a plural pronoun. Um, but the more you practice it, the easier it gets, one. And two, if you're ever in doubt, just use the person's name. So Melanie is blank right. or, you know, Christian is singing, you know, instead of they or I mean, them. It's going to take a lot of time to get put into place because it's like changing. And, and let me tell you, uh, you're, you are so right. And, and for older people, it gets even harder. So yeah. it's, now's your time. Now's your chance. <laughs> get yeah. on it. I would just <laughs> practice it at home. Just like practice thinking about that person and using their pronouns in a s multiple sentences, literally by yourself. Like I in, really in English, that. you'll in never English, in yeah. French. It'll be impossible. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> what do you, t what do you tell people that, that have this argument saying, well, if we get rid of all these norms, society does not work anymore in a sense of like, you know, it, it is no structure. It's no structure. You... Like there's this the gender, a, a man norm for society. There's a woman norm for society. Um, if you get rid of all that, it's chaos. What do you, what do you tell these people? Cause that's, I feel like that's something that people kind of say back in sense of no, in France. I, that's the French. Yeah. I'm excited by the prospect of, uh, everyone moving beyond gender binaries. I think that there's just way more expansiveness to be had in that, you know, I, I it's going to be interesting to see how, gender evolves over the next 20 years like i i wouldn't be surprised if this book is going to be obsolete in 20 years oh yeah um but i i, I think but we don't know for why that's the, yeah that's there's got to be something yeah. that's wrong in here but but, um, but but i will i will tell you having been through multiple trends and incarnations and in various areas of life whether it is in medicine or addiction or social attitudes there there's i've been through many many incarnations of things that that people said things like that, Julian, where it's like, this is it. It's the unraveling of society. Uh, and it never is. It just, it, it just, it just keeps evolving. It, and usually it, I, do, do you know who uh, GWF Hegel is philosopher? No, no. Gilhord, Georg Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel. He, um, he was a phenomenon. He invented phenomenology and he, essentially had the position that history is a is a constantly evolving spiritual experience essentially is what he said and it it goes forward in a dialectic where there is a, and somebody else came up with this construct but it's thesis antithesis synthesis mm -hmm. and so we go on these lurch forwards and then we synthesize it into something else it becomes something that we incorporate into the fabric of what we're doing that becomes well, it comes norm normative, but it becomes synthesized in some way that that doesn't really alter it, but but brings it in to the social fabric in a way that kind of works for everybody. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm excited I, to see how things mutate. I I mean, I think the gender binary is so restrictive, and you know, I know I know a few young people who use or who are non-binary and use they/them pronouns, and it it 
it is refreshing to see someone, you know, under the age of 18 who has an understanding of who they are in a way that, you know, generations before them never got to realize. And, you know, there are just some people who are they them, you know, and I think the more that you. It, if you I would like with everything. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. But, but contact is a really co contact is we talked earlier about sharing with each other and making, con you know, you remember our conversation about having meals and coffee and spending time with people. I, if you noticed, I said different kinds of people. Mm. Not only is that important for you to be seen by a new pair of glasses and thereby changing your perception of who you are through the eyes of another person, but you make contact with people that are different than you. And that is everything right now. Mm -hmm. Contact. That's how you get over racism and sexism and, and nationalism. You make contact with people that are not in your tribe that are different from you. Contact is, is the way forward. Yeah. Absolutely. College was such an enriching experience because like, you know, being from conservative Ohio and having never gone anywhere or done anything until I was like 20, you know, 20 years old, getting exposed to different kinds of cultures and religions. And that was an eye opening experience. And it made me have a lot of sympathy and empathy and, and you know, being able Good. to relate to people Good. of all different cross sections. And I think it's also important to have these conversations when people are younger too, because who knows what's going to happen. It's going to shake itself out to where but, we're a lot more open yeah. than we used to be. I'm, I'm convinced. <laughs> and I think my, well, my buddy Mo, we've talked about this multiple times. We're both convinced that within 20 years from now, there will no, no longer be such thing as homosexual and heterosexual sex. Mm. It, it'll just be like, you got, you are with, you wouldn't even have to yeah, be a label you just, on anything You, you could be with whoever. And, and it's just like, there's no, there's no distinction anymore. And I'm, I'm pretty sure this is what's going to happen at some point. I like yeah. that future. Yeah. You know? it's just yeah like, and, and by the way, it's it, to me, one of the weirdest things about humans is our tribalism. I mean, I understand it's sort of anthropologically with you're defending, you know, tribes and blah, blah, blah. But biologically, I don't understand why we had that evolutionary uh, sort of uh, trajectory because genetic admixturing, the more genetic mixing, the healthier the population. Well, mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. I think straight people should have to come out too. Come out as straight? <laughs> yeah. yeah. More so than homos. That is, that is <laughs> interesting. Yeah. It's not, not, like, not I'm Paulina. I dig in and I'm sorry. <laughs> I had a funny uh, story when uh, I think it was what in 20, uh, it was just, it was before I moved here. So 20, 2012, 2013, I, I had, I got my first tattoo and then I went back to France and I saw my dad and we we're about to be on the beach. We're going to go to Africa. I'm going to mention that. Oh man, he's uh, so against that too. I'm going to have to tell him I have my first tattoo. My mom already knew. So I sat him down and I was like, dad, I got to talk to you about something. And he's like, okay. And I see his face slowly change, change. I was like, mom already knows about it. They're not together. Mom already knows about it because she's more understanding. <laughs> nice frame. Yeah, she's not an it. asshole like you. So I, <laughs> and I was like, but I figured I want you to know before you find out. And at this point, his face is completely like, he's like, he thinks I'm about to say something crazy. And I was like, I just want to let you know, I got a tattoo. And he was like, oh, Oh my God. And again, him being raised by Persian parents, right? Uh, uh. The idea of his son being gay would have been, would have been yeah. like something yeah. dramatic. Yeah. So he was like, Oh my God, I thought you were going to tell me that you were gay. Yeah. Corolla used to always say that that's how you handle it. Some, some news to your parents. You go, it's 
I have to tell you, I have AIDS. I'm just kidding. I have a tattoo. (laughs) But what surprised me is I said, well, I mean, you've seen me with girls. You you know, I'm I'm into girls. He's like, yeah, but your generation, one day you're with a girl, one day you're with a man. We don't know. And just so I understand the stakes for you, is Persian Jewish? Yeah. That's what I figured. So I was raised French. Like he was born and raised in his parents. Yeah. 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 I get it. That's why the tattoo is such a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You're not allowed to mark your body. No, but like he he's not like that. But I just find it's just funny how I really saw the disconnect between his um generation and 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 how like f- he doesn't understand how a, a guy can technically be bi or, yeah. or he, can, he can go in both. There's, there's a great uh, 90 day fiance uh narrative right now which you you have to report on this on extra don't you yeah. uh which is a gay couple and the, he's mexican and the mexican father's having a really tough time oh, with yeah. it and, and there's an age difference all kind and, and the the older gay gentleman has triplet children from another oh marriage it's, just, it's crazy complicated they're, they're and they're lovely they're like beyond lovely couple and so but i will say what you say uh contact is very important because um he at first, when he was the first time he came to LA was in the during the gay pride. So he saw mm. all of this. And again, he grew up, he told me, he's like, I grew up like you would get beat up if you were homosexual. Mm. So it was really something it's extraordinary like for him. Concern. Yeah, it's like for him yeah. to see it. He was like, I can't believe these guys are walking around like this. But then we have a family friend who is gay, who's always with us. And as the more and more and more and more time spent together now, he's like super. It's it's not even a thing, right? Sex sexuality is not even a question. Right. Yeah. Right. With guys, so well that that's why that's why you know people that are uncomfortable with the gender conversation, you can at least point them at the sexual orientation history. You know how how would you want to have been on that side of history of judging somebody as gay for being gay? I mean, right. and just think how comfortable we are. And even if you were against gay marriage, doesn't that look a little? Aren't you a little like? Don't you kind of wish you hadn't been against gay marriage? Uh, even even I've heard I've heard more of that these days people who were adamantly against apologizing yeah for having been against it so that, I mean, that's a good no i grew up i grew up one of my best friends in the world what was you know he's he's he didn't come out until he was in his 20s hmm. and his father's still not 100 percent okay with it and i mm-hmm. i understand because you know he comes from a conservative background he's older he's of that generation but i mean what's the what's the What's the benefit? I mean, do you, would you rather have your kid live in misery yeah, and not be able <laughs> yeah. to be who they are? I can't imagine. And, and yeah. not have healthy relationships. Yeah. More contact, more contact, more exposure, more understanding. But it's still nice to see that people change. People can change. Like they, they yes, can. they can. Yes. And eventually they realize, yeah. oh, my God, this so- is... Therein is this Hegelian sort of philosophy, and it makes me hopeful for the future, whatever conflicts we're in now, that we're going to figure this out. Um, I have a million things I'm worried about, but but I just am optimistic because I've seen I've seen things get better. Well, yeah. I think exposure, too, can be also the media that you consume, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't have proximity to queer people in your real life, uh, find media that will... Well, that's, tell you that's why it. I brought up the Night of Fiance thing. Well, Night of Fiance, the L word. There's so much yeah. queer media. Oh, yeah. Books, the transparent, transparent. Transparent, you know. And, and there's um, shows where now, like, just th- there's a, a gay couple, there's something, and it and the show is not about homosexuality. Right. It's just, yeah. like, just this is You know what I mean? Like, um, it, oh, what was while you're thinking about, I will just say that I, I, you know, I consider myself reasonably open-minded, but I got to know Caitlyn Jenner recently, and she really helped me expand some of my they sort of the depths of my understanding of stuff in not not exclusive not, not um 
not just an understanding, but also the the depths of despair that some people go through. Because she, from 1980 forward, was suffering. It's like, wow, that's 40 yeah. years of misery. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, not being able to be who you who you really yeah. are, and, yeah. and knowing it, and being clear about it, and being stuck. I'm like, wow, what what oof, must be hard. We talk a lot about gender dysphoria, but I think that there needs to be more of a conversation of gender euphoria, where there are people who are living in their true gender identity and really living loudly and proudly. And so, I think a great great place to start would be to look up the hashtag gender euphoria and just go through and see all the people who are living happily in their correct gender identity. Um, That's one way to look. I think it's just crazy that we are in a world right now where everybody is more compassionate. There's way more compassion and understanding about everybody's individuality, but we're also more divided than ever. Mm -hmm. Weird, right? Go well, like, Yeah. yeah, it's weird. I don't know. That makes me optimistic. There's opportunity for change there. Right? I think there will be. That's a yeah. good. That's a good note to end on. Yeah. You say? Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's it's we're we're a constantly evolving species, and I think that you know generationally and and years down the road from now, these kinds of conversations won't even exist. It's just going to be. You know. Yep. Um, well, that I'm not so optimistic as to say humans going to evolve to perfection. There'll no. always be stuff. We'll always have stuff, but but we'll have long periods of we'll, we'll improve. We'll, we'll keep be improving. fighting the machines yeah. at that point. Yeah, we'll keep improving. Um, where where when does your book come out? It's out now. It's already out. Yeah, came out September seventeenth. Oh, it doesn't okay. have to be awkward. Doesn't have to be awkward. Love yeah. it. It's good. We feel like we really hit the target. If you're if you're 12 to 20 and you have questions, but we, we really Even older. I mean, yeah, I well, my friends have been reading it and they are like, listen, I yeah. keep thinking about TCB and it's such a helpful framework. And- yeah. And and parents, for sure, of the, that age group, it's we try to be inclusive into all kinds of relationships with teachers and bullies and aunts and uncles and we just everything and how to manage it. And, and you know, we were trying to stay away from sort of the clinical stuff. It's not a plumbing, you know, it's not a sexual education book, per se. That's Right. In many places, we give those resources. We have lots of great yeah, places you exactly. go for that. Yes. That's, yeah. that's been done. We, we want to help people navigate relationships in a healthy way. Well, I think that's it's needed now amazing, more than yeah. ever. Thank yeah. you, guys. Thank you so much Thank for you. your time. Thanks. Thanks Pleasure to meet on. you. Thank you for having us. Uh, all right. Well, this was probably one of our longest podcasts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was... But, you know, I think it was a good one. because It was we, amazing. I don't think there's any topic that we left off the table. No. And he was so awesome. Yeah, I mean, I she already knew this. I, so you grew up in France. So yeah, you I really I, didn't. You, you didn't watch the whole Love Line never, thing I know. or anything like that. But. I know, and I didn't want to be like disrespectful. Like, I'm sorry, I've never watched your show, so I didn't mention anything. But um, it was, um, I you think, know, he also hosted Celebrity Rehab. Really? Did you just not watch MTV at all? Uh, the only MTV was uh, that I watched was uh, The Hills because I was in love with uh, Lauren Lauren Con Lauren Conrad at the time. Yeah, at the time. And yeah. that the hills I was watching and Laguna Beach. Oh, got it. And okay. the music videos. Oh, real, and Jackass. Real highbrow stuff. Jackass. Oh, okay. Uh, we had Jackass. Yeah. It was translated in France. Oh, you did? French, yeah. Jackass was international? Oh, yeah. Jackass was huge. So so that's all I watched. But I've never loved, watched Love Line and all that stuff. But it kind of makes me want to love, uh, watch it. You should go now. back and watch some of his episodes. So, I, wonder how, I wonder if it's super outdated. No, no. It's, it's some of the same questions that come up. Yeah, you know, but the today. answers are probably different. Uh, maybe. I'm sure they are. Right. I mean, you can watch full episodes on YouTube. Yeah. They exist. Yeah, no. It, it, it was great also to see because he's a little bit older than us. And and it's just nice to see that he's just like he's so on board with yeah. everything. Yeah, but he's just he's just as 
uh, what would you say, uh, a, a trusted source as yeah. he's always been. Like, yeah. like I said, there's you don't feel uncomfortable saying anything around no. him or asking him anything. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how he got to be super. That was his magnetism in the first place. And the fact that his uh, he's able to talk about this stuff with his daughter. It's cool. How cool is that? Yeah, That's really cool. It's it was awesome. Um, so right. if uh, we're not doing any questions with the audience, but if you have any, just please keep them, keep sending them our way. Next week we'll probably have a little uh, questions or just se uh, segment at the end, so we'll answer some of them. Yeah. And uh, you guys have a great week. Bye. Ahura Media Production.